and welcome to the Dice of Screaming Podcast. What in the name of Hades was that? Uh, that is the distressed owlbear of gaming podcasts oh. crying out into the wilderness. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll level with you. That was distressing. All right. Well, hey, I'm Randy. I'm Mike. And we are the Dice of Screaming Podcast 300th episode. Yeah, this is totally happening. Yeah. Bear, 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 bear. yeah so okay. that's a thing. I, like, I kind of feel like we should be playing pomp and circumstance. Oh, really? Just No. Oh, yeah, well, more like clown music, that would probably. <laughs> March of the Gladiators would probably. Not be... <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we, we should probably have something more like the. Uh... Oh, what was that? Uh, that... I, I don't know. Fast music that they played for uh, people like juggling plates and stuff. Oh, the saber dance. Yeah. That's it, the saber dance. Yeah. Oh, Cause, no, cause that's we still. Are that level of clown event, but without the dexterity. No, saber dances too. Where's our... <laughs> anyway, yeah, so uh, uh, bungling as we are, we have made it through 300 episodes. And. With support from listeners like you. Yeah, uh, this is kind of us going to be talking about some things that make no sense probably to somebody who hasn't listened to us for a long time. So if you're going through our catalog of back episodes, uh, you'll be able to uh, understand perfectly well. And if you're new here, well, we'll be talking about some things where we want to go. So whether it's your first episode listening in or it's your... 300th episode listening in. Oh, hi. Then you should be right at home with us. Um, just a point of announcement here. Yeah, so this is the episode where we're going to be giving away some swag. Uh, we have some gifts lined up for you listeners. So all you need to do to win some of these swags, which we have three different prizes. We have uh, a reaction three and a three quarter inch Freddy action figure to give away everything yep and mike oh uh the gem and the staff original vintage module yep um and a dice bag so um we're going to be giving away these three prices uh, and all you have to do is go to our facebook page the dice is screaming and just comment even if it's uh flipping us off or uh, razzing us <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah, enter you in. Just comment, comment, comment. That's all it takes. Like that, you know, no other qualification required. If you are included amongst the commenters, uh, you are automatically enrolled. Now, one podcast from now, episode 301. Yeah, next podcast. We will randomize our selections of the three victors. The bronze, the silver, and the gold will go to somebody one podcast from now. So let the flow of commentation begin. Exactly. So head on <laughs> over to that book of face and uh, find our podcast, The Dice of Screaming. Put a comment under. Our episode will be listed here shortly. What is best in life, Conan? To see your enemies driven before you and to hear the commentation on your pages. 
indeed. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm getting. I'm back in town. Uh, I am no longer the man in the field in the Upper Peninsula, uh, podcasting from an island, uh, which, like that, not actually a joke. There's no exaggeration there. Oh yeah. We, well, it turned out pretty good. People yeah. liked the last one. Uh, it the was point great. of moderation by yours truly was noted and yeah sometimes you just have to take out the newspaper and whack mike on the back of the head a couple times no 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 pay attention this is where we're headed <laughs> this way this way <laughs> other left squirrel <laughs> so yeah it, it is sometimes a contentious job um and you have to use certain tools effectively with mike um, professional mic wrangling is not an easy task nor is it for the faint of heart just like Albert rodeos. <laughs> yes. I still want to go to the Albert rodeo. Well, you can download it for free. Here. <laughs> Get yourself started. Head on over to the Albert radio. Rodeo. Radio. Head on over there. Yeah, we should uh, do a plug for him at some point in time regularly because you just like saying it. Um, oh, my gosh. Yes. So, another point of. Here in the truck and I don't give a get them yep. up at the rodeo. Albert rodeo. So another point of announcement, we will be doing our next episode, and Astro Galmancer was right. He just was a little off on his dates. Really, folks, it's not a conspiracy theory. He checked his numbers, uh, aligned with the stars and the pips on the dice, and he was just off. So we announced that we were going to do a gatekeeping ambassadorship to old school and new school gaming. Uh, basically titled don't be a dick and uh <laughs> in the <laughs> uh, it, it may not be the most pg title we've ever had but i mean it's will reaton's maxim so we're we're, we're going to be talking yeah, about yeah. that uh, and that's coming up episode 301 and i'll be our next one and that's where we're announced the winners of the three prizes so we'll do that uh as it occurs so all right i think we've covered all our bases uh talking about the Baldur's gate Three episode Wizards of the Coast creating their own competition. Yeah, that seemed to hit a mark. Um, well, I, it's a valid point. I mean, it does seem to be a genuine risk. I was you know, like, I personally hope that they lean into this, and you know, I, I made that statement there. But uh, you know, it's worth having it in the back of your mind that this could go awry uh, for all concerned. I, I hope. I, well, I'm not sure if I got across properly the thought that had crossed my mind that uh, one of the things that collided here was the early planning, like at the time that like the the concept for the Baldur's Gate mm -hmm. video game was first released, uh, you know they had no they had not yet uh, come up with the final form of grievous foolishness yeah, they that they eventually it. released. So they had not yet created an adversarial situation. Uh, Larian required years to get this thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so at the time that they began this project, uh, it may not have actually been like management's intention, like, hey, let's rock the boat and really destroy our, you know, our, our core uh, customer base. I'm sure that was not how they saw things. They saw Larian as doing a great job developing something that was going to be the next 
property in that franchise. So they only saw benefits, but, you know, at some point the TTRPG concept shifted from one of their developing concepts uh, in one of their developing property zones mm-hmm. uh, or streams of revenue to being characterized as their expected dominant form of you know, creation and product lines and things like that. Uh, and I still think that that entire notion is uh, very, very foolish to, to place that like ahead of everything else. Like literally this is number one with a bullet. We're just going to pour everything behind this and kind of let the other stuff wither on the vine uh, and hope people really go for that. I, wow. You really do not even know what you're selling. Do you? Yeah. Well, well yeah, I think that's the major uh, point. So yeah, not I, that it... I hope I got that across, but I, I think there was a mix up okay. where the expectations at the time Baldur's Gate three was like in progress were not the same as the, you know, expectations five or eight years later, uh, you know, from the, the moment of its initial push to the moment of its release, a lot of stuff has taken place. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you can't look that far in the future and say that this was planned. And I don't think that was your intent. Um, but I, I do know I'm loving that Baldur's Gate three. Oh yeah. A lot of, a lot of people oh, are my gosh. good. Good game. Everybody seems to be pretty happy with it. Uh, the storyline and the idea is very well. Look, you if you know what the game's about, you already know. I don't have to tell you. For if you don't, there's no spoilers here. <laughs> if you haven't played it yet, uh, maybe uh, move ahead about two minutes. But roughly, that the illicit have planted a zygote or. Um, the parasite parasite yeah into your skull and yep you spend most of the time wondering when it's going to hatch out and you're going to become a mind flayer yourself or if it has another agenda for you excuse me well and of course you you quickly begin to discover that this thing grants you certain psionic powers uh that are extremely useful and so you know at some point your character is like making that compromise am i going to go further with these powers as i counter other, you know, as I defeat other people who had a parasite within them, uh, do I kind of, you know, claim that and expand my powers or do I continue to search for a cure cure and like expunge it altogether? Uh, I, I gotta say they have provided such a wide range of options, uh, for people to pursue, uh, that the, the variation in gameplay is right up there with some of the best. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's been a common, it's, I don't want to say it's been a common theme, but that's the cent- central core of you creating the character. And, you know, this goes back to being the Dragonborn in Skyrim, as well as some of the themes in Cyberpunk 2077. I was a little rough on them, uh, I think, in retrospect. Uh, and somebody pointed out something to me. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually going to, like, take a little thing back. Uh, some of their like the diminished variety in character templates, except for the like cosmetic alteration, the minor cosmetic. Like, mm-hmm. like you could have all kinds of tattoos or makeup or whatnot, stuff I didn't really care about. But there aren't really that many different shapes and appearances. Uh, some of that has to do with the complexity of the engine, that there are just, you know, 
so there is so much to the game that the character will have to be displayed under like all kinds of variable circumstances. Uh, so there was a limit to how many uh, visible templates they made accessible. Uh, it's not infinite. And you know what? Uh, having given that some thought, I, I totally understand why there would be some limitations because it is largely glitchless uh, and gorgeous to look at. I mean, the, the landscapes and everything are fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, breathtaking at certain points, like where you're actually sitting there going, wow. And I mean, this is how I felt when I, I first saw Skyrim. And I haven't really felt exactly that way since. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, even Dragon Age, which was pretty good, wasn't quite as frequently breathtaking. The, like the entire landscape and every moment that you are viewing it or in an area uh, has a incredible amount of detail. Incredibly impressive. So, yeah, well, I, I, I retract, anything what they do I with retract them a couple of my other uh, complaints, sure. too. I, I started to, to pay more attention to these side tabs and controls, yep. and I developed a more greater familiarity with the character building process. I, you know, and I was correct at the time that I made those critiques that, like, some of that was just me. Okay, that was me fumbling around. It was like, how fast can I get a character... Dragonborn Paladin, search stop evil, rides again. I'm here to smash. I'm all out of gum. You know, just, I was ready to go, and I did not want, ah, can I, like, I, I don't want big tattoos. I want to be kicking stuff in the butt. Uh, so Mike's impatience had a lot to do with some of that. Yeah, video. I was going to land the plane on that one. So yeah. we're going to put the wheels yeah. down on this and just say that, like, look, we'll yeah, it, you know, it's an amazing and engaging computer game. And it's the biggest complaint that can come out is like, wow, you know, the character creation options are just, uh, they're not as intuitive as they could because they're so vast and complex. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, could they have done a little bit better job? And it's a 5e template. So, I mean, you know, I, there's some facets of the more third edition or, you know, first or second edition material that I remember from past versions of the game uh, or D&D related games, they're no longer present. Right. You know, there are class options and things like that that are unfamiliar to me. And, you know, uh, I have not done a high level uh, 5e campaign. So, oh. you know, like, I'm breaking into some new turf here. You know, like, some material that, like, I've only read about theoretically. I've never put it into practice. Uh, but I'm having a great time doing it. So, I retract some of my earlier complaints, formally and without embarrassment. Well, of course. I mean, that comes with territory as you learn more. And you're like, oh, well, I may have made a hasty generalization in an attempt to find something to criticize about. And well, I think that's when one of the... I was speaking experientially, and those <clears throat> initial experiences, like well, they were absolutely they were valid. Descriptions of how I felt and like my degree of comfort with the material presented to me, uh, they were candid. Well, they were certainly articulable, and also you could understand from where you were coming from at an early stage in the play that this seemed to be particularly vexing at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, uh, I don't think it's a 
and you, you didn't make a big deal about it, but here we are making much more of it as it is. So moving on, yeah, this is our 300th episode. So as we kind of put a cap on some of the things we talked about and minor critiques about the last show, we're here going to be celebrating basically uh, a milestone that, well, if you would have told us five years ago that this was going to happen, we probably said, yeah, we'd, we'd be in our 300th episode somewhere around, oh, yeah, around uh, three, four years maybe because we were doing two a week. When we first yeah, started this thing, I mean, as we're doing a retrospective, let's let's look back at the origin. the The first shows, it was two a week. Uh, we had the benefit of proximity at the time. We mm. lived much closer to one another at that time. And man, I mean, that was great. The episodes were very short, though. It often felt like there was so little we could select as a topic. Uh, because, you know, when you're like just 15 to 30 minutes tops, uh, it felt like, man, we got to jam pack this if we're going to even touch this topic at all. Well, our original concept when we started the podcast was to keep it short and brief so we wouldn't ramble or correct, which we have a tendency. Which we really like to do. Yeah. So we so, wanted to keep it very focused, theme-oriented, just, okay, here's one thing we're thinking. And that's where we start going with. And uh, orcs, who doesn't love killing them? You know, we ask the hard questions. Exactly, we break it down for them. Orcs, <laughs> they're lousy neighbors, and they have crappy loot, but they are fun to kill. Um, they, they are always enthusiastic for a fight. That is the one, the only redeeming factor is of an orc is that they're always ready to tussle. So. <laughs> they may be an inconvenience, but enough of them constitutes a serious problem, much like crab lice. Mm. <laughs> oh, but that's man. a totally different form of combat. All right, so yeah, you can uh, you look back at our early episodes. We were just really trying to hit some, I guess, I don't want to say winners, but we were hitting things that seemed to be going around in the community and that was very osr focused and initially yeah. we were hitting some uh of the contentious topics that seemed to be at the time which I, I gotta say i mean you know our affection for what is best in the old school revolution um you know i mean we came by it honestly mm -hmm. um there was a very strong sense that the company that makes the products was moving away from the core concept of what these products are about. I mean, well, what, it, what we, makes them enjoyable? We were discovering uh, what was the OSR had been going on when we started our podcast. Well, oh yeah, it had been on for years. It well all established itself and had almost wow. fractional factionalized into. At that time, we think about maybe. I think we talked about it was three or four different categories of play. Like you, know, you only play with the old rule books, which is a very. Yeah, it was a rarefied yeah, of gamers. You only play with the original stuff. Uh, people who played with what were called retro clones. And so we were kind of picking up on the retro clone, the do it yourself kind of ethos. Like, Hey, oh. a copy of gamma world costs a whole bunch on flea Bay, So 
Well, hey, I'm a huge fan of Write Your Own Campaign. Right, and well, the games, were, like Mutant Future, that were coming out from Goblinoid Games were something that we were trying to pick up on and do a couple of different takes and hoist them up. Uh, we got around to a couple of those, but um, it quickly became apparent that uh, the other part of the factionalism was becoming a little bit more uh, reactionary to cer- certain other elements, and we kind of just kind of moved them aside. We didn't talk about them. But uh, I think that would lead us to uh, one of the problems that we ended up getting in is we burned through quite a lot of content at first. Yeah. So we, we would just cover old modules. We'd have a topic, you know, twice a week sort of format, lend itself to a quick, punchy dialogue where if we didn't cover it this time, we'll cover it next time. You know, we'll pick up. to go back and forth. Material, topic, material, topic, material, topic, which, you know, man was that easy to manage it was much much easier to steward however there's one catch there's only so much material that was published uh, before you start to run off into the weeds and get like down to the really bad stuff or you get into the esoterics like what did Gygax think about um, his infamous uh, chess hoyle or poker chess hoyle and the D&D system <laughs> well that there's a there's a little chestnut there that oh. uh, you go. But we have talked about things like Dragonlance. And, uh, you know, I want to uh, take there that we also still speak quite well about uh, a lot of the classic modules. And we try to cover some OSR topics when we think they're relevant. But uh, that'll bring us about to our 200th episode, the infamous 100 ep- episodes ago, the infamous Arwavar OSR. And, uh, you know, it is, it is true that if you have something bad to say about somebody, they will show up in your feeds and let you know about it. And we had, uh, some controversy. Of course I was, uh, I went on other people's podcasts and nobody needs a little controversy. Yeah. There was about what we said because they listened to the first five minutes and then gave the rest of the podcast a two finger salute Yeah, and moved on. And, And you know what? That's 100% within somebody's rights. Like, if you are really dedicated to yeah, you... OSR, I understand, uh, you know, that for people who are very much into it and want to embrace the best parts of it and keep pushing, good for you. Um, you know, I, I don't really have malice, per se, against the movement or its core concepts because once upon a time I was part of them. And I still look at the best parts and think, I really loved doing that. I loved showing up at a game shop uh, and, like, busting loose vintage books uh, to connect people to what the game began as. Right. So that at least now, as they play new editions they would have a grounding in where it came from, the style of play, and some of the tropes, like the, the roots of some of the magnificent tropes that make D&D so fun. And man, given that experience to a lot of people, uh, man, I, I, I can't say enough about it. It was a great time. Uh, it just became very, very tough to continue to be. So it's, it's like you're helping an animal kennel. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. you're helping out at the animal kennel, and you really I love. See where you're going with this, uh, but 
they keep letting dogs go out that bite. Okay, like toddler mauling dogs, you know, just, you know, little kids are just bacon with feet. And after a while, people start to look at you askance, like, oh, oh, you you, you help out over a toddler. Well, you know, it's just an anomaly. That's not really (laughs) what we are. Yeah, it's kind of seeing some of that stuff stand with. I'm not allowed to like put down the rabid dogs. I'd like, I, I, I can't get rid of them, dude. I, I just wanted to help the nice ones. And you wind up with, you know, yeah, we got bit. Yeah. Uh, and I got tired better. of being associated with them. Uh, I, honestly, we both did. It just got very frustrating uh, to perpetually be split between uh, you know, like, yeah, I support this in concept, but in order to do it, I have to tie my, I have to hitch my wagon to just uh, an absolute <laughs> crap show. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah so. that, that was, it was bruising, and we didn't like leaving OSR behind. Uh, really? At least in terms of like, how much are we throwing our support behind it? Um, hey, we're going to keep the concepts we love, and we're going to keep fighting for them. Look, we, we still cover the stuff. I talk about OSE here and there. Um, if it's died down a little bit, it's because there hasn't been a whole lot of activity. And that's another thing about the OSR is that it has various movements. And, hey, you know what? Uh, there is a dynamic out there of other games. And whether you think that they are worthy of attention as an old schooler or if you're a person who has never played any other edition than the current ones, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that the intent of just having fun, sharing that enthusiasm and passion is what we really settled on at number two was our core values. And some people miss that because they were very upset about things we said or thought we said about them. Yeah, with some justification, you know, and, you know or, or at least I should say within their rights. Well, within their rights, because we'd left it particularly vague because we didn't want to say, hey, looking at you, Venger Satanus, looking at you, RPG Pundit. Well, we had a conflict between us at the time where I was like, you know, you lend these people credibility, like you you place their name in the public consciousness. That's what social media does. It allows people who Mm -hmm. are so bad that in normal life, in the real world, no one would mention them. Nobody would engage with them. Everybody walks away and goes, ew. You know, they look at them like the thing that you stepped on in the yard that like, oh, I'm going to have to scrub this off before I go back indoors so the my shoes before I get in the house. but the internet if you're not careful you know like we wind up giving credibility and value to people that we would never never do that in real life I have that approach and you know you have a different one and we debated for a long time but well I agree with Mike that at the core principle at stake here is this don't give uh, people who are not good folk attention other than just saying in an admissive way. And by naming them, you also, and this was my point as well, you also invite them to engage with you because th- that's what they live for, that debate bro moment. We're like, debate me, debate me, debate me. Hey, look, I'm very good at rhetoric and I'm very good at tying people down on specific points. But what I'm not good at is roasting people because that's not what I do when somebody wants to debate. 
And that's what it tends to, well, yeah, that's what it tends to be is it turns into a blood sport or a roast fest for uh, my more bad qualities. And Which is the, why I try not to engage in such things because uh, I, <laughs> I'll only get myself in trouble. Yeah, it, 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 it's never a good look because when you find out at the end that when oh, it's I wrestling a pig roast. in mud, only thing that happens is the pig enjoys it. And you're muddy afterwards. And so, yeah. I got most of my roasting fun out years and years ago during when the internet was still the Wild West. Uh, so, long before they, they got all uh, thoughtful and organized and, and well managed uh, in the, the crude Wild West of the internet of the like, mid to late 90s, uh, I, I did my roasting then. So, I'm all tuckered out. Well, right. But anyway, what we're talking about here, the 300th episode, where we were uh, 100 episodes ago, I think we've done very well. Our viewership has expanded. We have more, I feel, a more dynamic uh, discourse with some fans. And other people have kind of drifted away and off. And I think that's because over five years, oh, yeah, we have changed altered. ourselves. So. And we'll talk about some of those changes when well. we come back. Our break. Oh, we got to go already. Well, we have another 30 seconds. It's going to blow up some time. Anyway, it's free. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back. So stick around for the break and uh, we'll uh, start reminiscing some more. So stick around for the ramble. And we're back. So, hey, uh, it's Mike and Randy talking about 300 episodes of nothing really important. So, oh, well, hey. <laughs> You know, uh, it has little to do with importance and much to do with affection. You know, there there are certain topics that, you know, honestly, they're self-indulgent. We do them because we like them. Uh, now, I would like to brush up against things that we consider our failures and flaws, mostly because it's the spirit of candor. Okay. Which I think, you know, we're generally pretty pretty candid dudes. You know, we don't hold back much. Um, truth be told, uh, we had some great ideas that I, I think would have been wonderful to act on pre-COVID. And man, I mean, one of them was, you know, getting some proper merch uh, or yeah. uh, more professional looking, uh, you know, <clears throat> logo or representation. I mean, at this point, I'm ready to just get like a caricature of each of our faces on the end of like some big, shiny red clown shoes. <laughs> um, I don't know if you'd enjoy that, though. I, I don't. <laughs> well, um, yeah, no. We'll just move on to yeah, that. We have very different visions artistically of what something should be. Uh, that, you know, those those hopes. Uh, man, aside from the massive delays and... I mean, I'm not anything about ego. Look, uh, characters to me are very egocentric. And look, I've always had an uh, aesthetic idea in the back of my mind of just divorcing ourselves of the concept and just going with the dice. But everybody that we've worked with, and it's been about a dozen now, has always cast us in the roles of angry old men. 
and because of what we cover and the topics. And I think that is one of the galling things. We didn't, that's not what drove us, but it does seem to be particularly galling that everybody we talked to is like, oh, so your, uh, your name is screaming. So you must be screaming in anger. And it's like, it's kind of a Ginsburg thing. I'm sorry. I was, yeah. I kind of feel like I'm a MST3K I saw the meme. best gamers of my generation torn apart by madness. Naked howling freedom. Yeah, there's there's a certain point that okay, it's it's an aesthetic and it's not a uh, it's not a straight jacket. So I, I've kind of uh, we're still working on uh, various things because the also the art scene is is really hard right now. I think uh, another thing is like uh, one of the big criticisms we've had is like our best episodes are all before episode 200 like our biggest episode episode 193 t1 temple of elemental evil is our 193rd t1 through 4 the temple of yep. elemental evil series which boy oh boy was that hard to pack into a single session now i mean we managed to like unpack as much of that module experience and that's where we started really going for an hour-long content yeah it kind of made us just admit that you know we really have to move past the you know, like 40 minute limit where um, there were topics we could not cover i've often wondered in this last year if we shouldn't perhaps be a little more flexible you know we have a short enough topic there's no reason a half hour is such a terrible podcast uh, well if we're doing it twice a week that's the thing is we're only getting to do it once a week now and that was one of our big changes as well spoken about it's like hey, you know what we're only doing one a week now uh, due to limitations and uh, travel time so yeah that has also been an obstacle to the concept of doing a visual version of the podcast a a, a youtube presence in tandem with the podcast presence uh, man we are as equidistant from one another as two people can be and still be considered to be in the same city. Mm -hmm. uh, I hover on the, the border of like another township and that is to the south. And he lives on the border of another township. Almost to the north. To the north. So <laughs> we have just had a logistical L for the last couple of years. It is and also having a quiet house and having other things set up. It's all a big part of that. But you know, yeah, our last like episode, a game, you know, schedule monster is a oh. struggle boss. Um, it is the end boss of all things is that time is of the essence. I think another uh, important factor to bring out is like our last episode, uh, we were able to do, you know, do great distances and still get a decent podcast out. It's a little, uh, trickier and the editing is a lot harder because I don't have a lead in time to kind of buffer. But that said, with a little bit of practice, I think we can overcome that. So that's something we may be able to look forward to. If you wanted to go to a twice a week schedule, we could just schedule uh, time at night where it's rather quiet and just do it that way. Um, mm. That would filter in. Um, because it's one of the tools of well, gratuitous advertisement for Spotify for podcasters. Now you can just, once you uh, have a, a dedicated 
follower, you can just invite them on. I've tried to get it done several ways with some other people, but uh, it doesn't happen. But anyway, back to the main criticism here was, yeah, some of our early episodes before 200, and one of the guys that was a little harsh, you know, all our best stuff's behind us. Yeah, episode 118, RuneQuest and Glorantha, was a big number one for a long time, but recently uh, Temple of Elemental Evil has risen above it. But yeah, for almost a year and a half, RuneQuest and Glorantha was our number one episode because... Well, some of that old school material uh, is fantastic, admittedly so. Like, I, but there is only so far you can go with that, right? I mean, it's, we were talking about the newest edition of RuneQuest and Glorantha, but it also involves. There's a different style of community, and I think that's one of the things about when we talk about OSR. RuneQuest has a very dedicated following, and some of them prefer one edition over the other, and. But there's so little difference between those editions that it's you have to really work to find something to dig at. Yeah, it's not an enormous imposition to shift from one edition of Clorantha uh, or RuneQuest RuneQuest roleplay to another edition of RuneQuest RuneQuest roleplay. It's not that big of a curve to climb over. So somebody who's been playing since is the curb. For somebody who was a first and or second edition player to switch to third edition or fourth edition mm-hmm. or even fifth edition for that matter. Yeah, it's a little little tougher adjustment with D&D editions than it has ever been with RuneQuest. They stay very close to their core. I now, respect that about them. Another one is episode two. What the heck is old school? Um, yeah. It is still, way, it is still what's that? Uh, number eight. We were trying to spell out exactly, you know, like to carve out the little chunk of ground uh, that we wanted to homestead, which is, hey, old school is not absolute unflinching obedience to a specific dogmatic dogmatic approach or a precise rule system. You know, it isn't it isn't as narrow as that. It's an aesthetic, uh, a kind of freewheeling sensibility that came to life in the 1970s and flourished through the 1980s and even through the 1990s. Uh, And that, frankly, began to be left by the roadside. Mm -hmm. You know, it started to be pushed back. uh, That, you know, I think play would take place within these narrower parameters. Uh, And there was this loss of connection to the roots of gaming. The things that, as silly as they were, made it the sensation that it became. Uh, losing that would be what I think of as a critical loss for gaming itself. So when we staked out our turf, it was very much about the sensibility is important to keep alive. Uh, that that almost indefinable nebulous zone. Mm-hmm of humor and improvisation uh, and wonder and creativity. That is the essence of real old the school The potion missability table. And... <laughs> the, the vague risk that you might blow up because you, you still had another... You drank a healing potion while under the effects of a superheroism potion. Yeah. yeah and I both become permanent. What the heck did that... I don't know. Anyway. 
<laughs> All right. I'm Wolverine. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, there was a lot of stuff like that that, you know, it was crazy. Uh, you kind of added a fun house element to it. But there's other uh, things, too, that OSR brought to the table. A lot of people have, I think, identified very heavily in the OSR community with death. The game is deadly. I, I often hear that a lot. And I'm right there with them. I guess in OSE, when you hit zero hit points, you're just dead. If you hit exactly zero hit points, you might be able to be revived in a round or two, depending on how uh, strict your game master is. Oh, yeah. But if you go anything over one or zero hit points, you're mostly dead. Um, <coughs> in first edition, you're not quite dead yet. Oh, yeah, but the countdown clock is stuck. Right, you start up. losing and then you go to negative 10 and then you're that seemed to change the game for a lot of people, and that divides the community further. And then, well, yeah, uh, the divisions began with the people who, you know, like, played in 1975, considering everybody wimps because there was a way to not die. Whereas, <laughs> you know, it, it seems as though a lot of the earliest examples of game mastering were mostly somebody interpreting how many different ways everybody at the table died that night. Rocks fall, you die. Uh, oh, yeah. that's new. Uh, <laughs> You know, look. I, I, a green I dragon falls out of the tree. I don't know what to tell you. You said the apple tree was only six feet high. I am not going to gatekeep and say that's not real gaming. It was real gaming. It happened. That was like there were yep. killer DMs galore, and that is part of the experience. And it is a legitimate. There's no crying in D and D. But was it excellent DMing? No, it was not. Okay, just. Bigfoot power playing everybody and enjoying watching them like roll up yet another character uh, is not really an expression of great creativity. Like it does not take a great deal of effort or thoughtfulness or skill to repeatedly torment and execute right. and players. Now we, we want to kind of put it out put it out so, here. For a lot of people, that is fun. I mean, if that's the fun you have then, yeah, by all means. And this is kind of, it sounds like it's leading Sir into... Sir Stompeeble the 8th is going to retrieve <laughs> uh, Sir Stompeeble the 7th's belongings, uh, as well as the belongings of Stompeeble the 6th, 5th, 4th, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st, uh, which are still lodged in the Alvarez Lair. I mean, surely, like, one of these characters, like, if I keep getting my new character to that location fast enough before it completely heals up, Sooner or later, I will whittle him down. <laughs> Just, it's like getting your body back in Diablo. <laughs> so, with the idea that different people can have different expectations of fun, and all can share into that. That was what we started that uh, early episodes for. And of Death and Dice, that was what we talked about, was really there, like how lethal you should make a game and steer it towards, and that's what number four. I like a certain yeah. amount of lethality. I do. Like I, do. I, I speak ill, perhaps, of people who make that the centerpiece of their approach as a game master or as a referee. You know, like if, if their enjoyment is just watching people fail, I, I don't get it. I can't figure it out myself. I appreciate that it's a thing, and some are down for that, but for me. Well, yeah. Having it in the mix as a legitimate possibility makes the game that much better. Yep, but I want to kind of focus on 
some of the other episodes. So we looked at yeah. one of the things that we moved quickly to was like episode 90, uh, our coverage of World of Greyhawk. We had been prepping for that for a while, and we were able to get that out. Also, the village of Hamlet 148. And uh, let me go down here. Secret of Bone Hill and 45 hit up. Uh, was one of our big hits as well. These, as well as our best modules series, I think, yes, some of our best... Just looking at the world of Greyhawk, which, oh, man. You know, I'd like to do some pick-aparts in the year to come where we examine some more minute details of the world of Greyhawk. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mostly because it's true old-school divorced from like the material itself has nothing to do with like whether or not there's some tomfoolery in the ranks amongst people who are fans of old school stuff <laughs> doesn't matter this is you know world of greyhawk uh, going into minute lore uh, on specific areas yeah that's the weird thing about uh the first and, I'd like and to second the edition of the realms. Well, yeah we also touched on forgotten realms and well, See, we that's, did the macro. Well, we did two parts of Forgotten Realms. Uh, that is the one thing here, is that Forgotten Realms yeah, got... Huge. We had to do two parts. We talked about the different incarnations, but... I would love to give micro-examinations of portions of both the world of Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms. Yeah, in, with the first edition of Greyhawk, um, some people count the folios, so yeah, I will we'll count that as well. There's not a lot there. There's just not. Um, I don't understand this fascination with like the, oh, there was just so much detail in there. No, 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 there was not. Mostly a paragraph and a weird entry of, uh, yeah, the leader of the wolf nomads is a illusionist cleric or something. I mean, like what? No, illusionist rogue. And I'm like, what the heck? How would wolf barbarians, they would be like. I, I don't even know where to start. And, of course, the barbarian class wasn't around, but I would just sit there and scratch my head. Why are they a thief illusionist? I have no idea. And no one, none is given. You would just have to make it up. And people seem to... I think the charm is, is that people looked at those small little details like that when they tried to glean out, like, why is the leader of the wolf nomads a thief illusionist? And they would come up with very coincidental reasonings for this and i think that was what the charm was is like i always thought he was a thief illusionist because they were tricking people well there was a lot of empty space unlike forgotten realms in which there were empty spaces but hints and allusions to all kinds of things were included in the text to help you fill in blanks right uh greyhawk you were thrown in the deep end which was great Okay. Well, right. If you were yeah. looking for uh, a detailed I love campaigns, Greenwood style in his work. I, okay, I, I love it dearly. I, I feel like it was easier to work with, mm-hmm. easier to be a little junior creative and fill in the blanks with his than it was with Greyhawk. But I started with Greyhawk, and that's like <laughs> there was no kiddie pool version. You know, it was like you're just, woo sploosh. Forgotten Realms was a little bit more of a guided experience. Whereas Greyhawk was just, here's the facts. This is the population. This is their imports, exports. This is what valuables they have. And here's the name of their leader. 
and some various texts about what goes on in these areas. And some of them were pretty interesting. I mean, the Rift Canyon area was pretty cool. Yeah. And I won't lie, the Avoralls, the hills right around Castle Greyhawk were. But those were areas right. that they, yeah, it was pretty well. wild coast. Yeah, they did. But those were areas right next to the campaign where they played a lot. Yeah. So those had detail. You go down on the outskirts, and it gets pretty shallow. So about the detail. But you just build it in. and Half know, a paragraph worth of information is all you've got. But most of the modules were nominally set in the world of Greyhawk, and I think that is where the charm really lies for a lot of people. Yeah. That uh, it was a plaything. But anyway, um, talking about those, those were some of the episodes. Greyhawk lore expanded as many, many years and contributors came along. So that changed the dynamic a little bit. Um, But looking at things and the criticisms leveled was, yeah, your best stuff's behind you. You haven't done that. Well, some of those have been out there in the wild for three years. And of course, they're going to pick up uh, a lot of listeners over a period of time because they're topics that people would normally associate. Oh, yeah. Look, I... And some up-and-comers of our recent ones has started to show that there's a lot of strength. Like, like the... our Pathfinder 2E. Or Castle Amber. Which was just episode 279. Now, even my cousin remembers Castle Amber from when, like, I think he was... 12 and I was 13. It was one of the first modules I bought uh, and ran with family members Mm -hmm. on vacation during the summer at the very cabin that I Mm -hmm. have just returned from. Uh, So many good memories. He he asked, literally, just a couple of weeks ago, what was that that one book, what was that one module uh, that that you DM'd us through? And like there was boxing and French people and like time travel and just it was really like over the top crazy right now it's like yeah you're talking about castle amber right and, uh, and he was like yes that's the one but our post our episodes are starting to come up as well because uh, not only just desert desolation and uh, against the giants and expedition to the barrier peaks but the other uh, one which was we hit right at the right time which the ogl and you the debacle is also got quite a few off there. Well, yeah, and look, I know it ate up some of our time uh, and some of the spaces we could have lent to other topics. <laughs> no, it was perfectly topical. But I'm going to pull you up I, short I on that we one. We could have talked about modules and things like that and stayed out of the ring on that, but I felt but that's that part of what we do. That that is that that was the current look, real issue in gaming. Right I now. read. And I'm online quite a bit, uh, both on social media and others. Mike is not. And I usually I read propose, time, but I, it's r- well, he online. reads books and, and a lot of other things, but there's a difference in our focus. I tend to do the morning news and then turn into some other uh, topics that may be of interest. And I notice when there is a lot of trending stuff um, on social media, whether it was from <clears throat> formerly known as Twitter to uh, even Facebook rants occasionally uh, show up in my feed. The platform formerly known as Relevant. <laughs> yeah, they're Relevant now. But oh, um, we had another episode. Some of the episodes are starting to come up, and they'll take time. Our Candle Keep Mysteries coverage was pretty good. I thought that it, I was surprised how well people, it brung in some new blood and also some new listeners. But our Pathfinder 2E coverage was oh. very outstanding as well. And I think that, Going forward, 
um, are also a coverage like the Honor Among Thieves. Like you said, well, could we have done something else? No, I think at that point yeah. in time, OGL was very the OGL debacle was very important to the gaming sphere because it's one of the biggest things that has happened in about five, six years. Now we're not giving up on inspirational movie nights, uh, but you know they're not our strongest performers. So I mean, oh yeah, for those who've enjoyed those, don't expect quite as many of those. There will be some. It's still going to happen because it's stuff that we like, uh, but not really prioritizing it. Uh, I was thinking of like a kind of a top list of what I consider the most accurate science fiction space travel stories that like the, the mm -hmm. theoretical background of them is the most realistic, believable, and, you know, uh, well, yeah, yeah, you know, from the thrilling days of yesteryear when you could just jump into a ship like you could uh, on the back of a horse and just rock it off to the moon or Mars. And now we've come to the deep realization that space is very deadly and uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's really big. It's, I mean, it's, it's huge. It's space. There's nothing out here. <laughs> no, you idiot. It's space. Everything is out here. Uh, absolutely true. Um and, you know, pointing to the the controversial topics, uh, like when we covered the OGL and you, oh, everybody was covering OGL. You had a podcast or platform, everybody was giving their two cents in. Well, because that exploded. Yeah, and, and it was like, an important that's thing. That's not one we caused. They detonated that bomb and then, you know, like, we were just like, okay, here's some reports about the debris. Well, you know, yeah. we're at the front lines and this is some of the... Uh, <laughs> Look, we're not we're not gaming tourists, okay? We've lived here for a while. So yeah. when a bomb lands in our midst like that, we're definitely gonna, you know, let like, you know what you're coming here and visiting our space. This is like we, we have been camped out here for a very long time. We staked out our spaces like dice shall roll. Uh, <laughs> before some people were born. <laughs> no, sure. Uh, but at the same time, I think we've done a fine job in covering different parts of gaming. And while maybe sometimes we've not done it as adroitly or allowed to, given too much space to allow to roam around, we can get very often the esoterics or weeds, as some people more commonly call it. I do. <laughs> Komodo open. Uh, that is a mic problem. Uh, well, it's, a, it's an everybody problem when you have enough to experiences. Express a thought. I got to go down a path. Right. It's like I, I got to take you to Mordor, but I will get you back to the Shire eventually. We try to we try to keep it to a minimum, but we're both as guilty as the other, so no problems there. But I think going forward, as we're starting to wind down now, um, I wanted to go over some of the episodes, and we got that, and Mike got some of our criticisms down where we've done our best, and to try to end it on a positive note. Well, I think we're a little more in depth, like our our micro examinations macro examinations are better thought out now than they were in the old days. Might like we were winging it right. uh, in the earliest episodes because we knew the material so well. And now we sit down and we have like discussions on uh, you know, like pre-show on what are the most important facets, like given the amount of time that we have available to us, what are the things we desperately want to make sure we don't leave out of this podcast? So yeah, more thought, more research goes in now. And I can't say that that has made this worse. Uh, 
I, I don't hate that a little more effort is required to deliver a more thoughtful discussion. Do not resent it at all. Yeah, and I probably want to give a uh, abomination vaults overlook, but I'm currently running it, so oh, I can't really talk about that. But I, I really yes, because we have listeners at the table. Yeah, we have. Uh, so I don't want to give major spoilers, and they're also running their own game. So I think that'll be one a challenge for me to bring up because. Well, anticipate more Pathfinder of the second edition as the years as the years. Yeah, unfold, finally pulled pulled the trigger on that one and bit yeah, the bullet. They're going to be coming fast and furious after they have finished their revision. And efforts. there, and there you go. They create content at a much faster pace. I mean, I I think people take pies over. It may granted. be a little exhausting. In fact, you know, we'll have to pace ourselves. To well, that. I don't think we've overdone it, but oh, God. let me just say that they do a good job and people take them for granted. This is something I want to plug for them. Every month there's a new adventure path for both Starfinder and Pathfinder and multiple right now they're in um, pullback mode because they had to change up their schedule, but also a generous dose of supplements and extra material for their campaigns as well as for the core game throughout the year. And they've done a better job than they did before because they used to release what's called campaign setting and player uh, companions. And they used to be every month. And wow, it was, it was way too much. Now they've kind of balanced out like, okay, we give a campaign setting uh, yeah. book and then maybe we'll give a new rule book twice, three times a year. Yeah. But they consistently every month produce a adventure product and that's something i don't think they get quite enough credit for but i think because because you just become used to it because it's every month yeah it's the bread and butter i mean that's the like material for people to play and chaosium has been a little quiet on other fronts and they've just recently released three supplements the prosopedia of glorantha which covers pretty much almost all the gods in a broad stroke and now they're coming up with uh, the Lightbringers, which is Orlands and the Storm Cult uh, and the goddesses or uh, the gods of Earth have been both released, which Ernalda is very big in Glorantha. So anticipate our favorites being examined. Yeah, and Call of Cthulhu has also been a little quiet, but they have had some great stuff from their Miskatonic repository, their fan community. Oh, the best fan community out there. As well as the Johnston that has, uh, I just uh, linked on my timeline, Ooh, their ships in the sea. It's going to wind up being the home of so many people who, who, who are creatives. Well, well, yeah, but in end. Well, let's, uh, let's come back uh, after a short break. Okay. You want to do a little extra inning? Yeah, extra inning today. It's our 300th. Indulge. All right. All right. Well, we're going to just end it up there, but we'll uh, we'll take a little break. And we'll come back after the break and uh, talk a little bit more about some of our plans for the future, I guess. All right. All right. Bonus episode. Yeah. You unlock the content. So here it is. Uh, yay. It's... <laughs> you need to listen to us some more. We inserted another quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got one more play. Uh, no, I... I... I can't say enough good things about the College of Cthulhu people because 
in many respects, to me, it embodies what is absolutely best in continually engaging your own community of creatives, uh, you know, who are... Well, I think they've done that. Again, I'm going to insert that the Johnstown... Yeah, uh, that's a perfect example. Repository as well. I always forget the last part. I always just, oh, it's Johnston. I wish Maroon Quest, they before. have done such good work. Uh, they did the ships in the sea and other than that. It doesn't get enough recognition. And maybe because it's mostly PDF, I don't value that as highly as I should. And I'm trying to change that. So I think maybe a focus on that uh, will be in for the future for RuneQuest and Cthulhu content. Because I think that's the one thing where Chaosium has been a little silenced because they have a very expressive and engaged community on both sides and a very well monetized and fair system that allows people to get not only their content out there, but for both to benefit from it mutually. Yeah. Uh, That is why I kind of tried to hold them up as an ideal that like this, this is a much healthier picture of a relationship between the uh, core concept owner and proprietor and the, you know, little, uh, end user slash partial creatives that are contributing. And I, yeah, we could take a good lesson or two from those folks. Well, some other, uh, <clears throat> yeah, obviously without being named, it's uh, Wizards of the Coast that could do with that. And they seem to be doing pretty well with the DM skill. But no, I love that uh, Call of Cthulhu has, on the other hand, become kind of a standby for the dinner theater murder mystery uh, (laughs) historical period piece crowd. Uh, People who enjoy those kind of things seem to intersect beautifully. So we're really looking forward to like literally all of the above, the the fine folks at, uh, you know, RuneQuest uh, and Call of Cthulhu and Pathfinder. There is so much well, that and delayed. I think you're also missing Tales of the Valiant coming out as oh. well as Dagger Heart as, and other systems have been expanding. And for everybody who is engaged into the games that they enjoy, where there is an expansion of different systems and different expressions of play that have been coming out over and over. Uh, and it's not just because well, this edition gave rise to a lot of different people to express themselves and the role-playing game community. I think it's a part of that, but I also think in the last six to eight months, you've seen such an expansion because people are breaking away from the fifth edition and Wizards of the Coast Dungeons and Dragons game and yeah, deciding to choice. go on their own. They just kind of it's hard to attach yourself to a very toxic entity. Um, it's, it's. And yeah, we want to cover those things. I think in the future, we will, we, we've already okay. spoken at length on yeah. this, that we're, you already know where we're going to land on this. new unfolds, we'll jump on that. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking forward to tales of the valiant, seeing how that goes. Um, the pathfinder remasters coming out. And of course, a lot of people are like, Oh, I got to learn a new system. Absolutely. Nothing's changed. You don't even have to buy it. If you just want to play the books as they are in the game, as it is, you're going to do that. Well, going forward, they're going to have to make us do this. No, you're not got everything you need right in your hands. They're just not going to, they're going to let drop go. They're just going to kiss them goodbye. And, you know, 
if they're there, you know what to do with them. If you want to make your own stuff. Yeah. We'll you, probably be doing our first venture into Pathfinder adjacent material for the Shadow Elves. We'll, we'll do our, uh, uh, if Mike is interested, I'll do the, we'll engage on some lore in that and uh, promote it here and actually put it up there for uh, PDF sale since I find an artist for that. That said, you know, more focus on bats and centipedes than uh, spiders and matriarchy. Misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> but making a, how the, however you want to do it, that's up to you in the Pathfinder thing. And as far as Tales of Valiant, you know, I've seen the play test. It's, it's kind of also like the Marvel superheroes, uh, 616 system is, uh, come out and uh, I'll be picking that up shortly. Um, I want to compare that very favorably to my experiences with the original Marvel superheroes game from TSR and uh, how it's different. And yet, you know, so much has changed, man. If you look at the Marvel universe, not just the movies, mind you, but if you look at the Marvel comics universe, how it's changed and expanded and, you know, moved on, from those heady days back when TSR was just basically given a... Uh, uh, just the mutants alone. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, the various X things, like, uh, what, and they come up with, like, a mutant in a month, and, like, it's, it's been, like, 30-odd years now. Like, there should be so many of them that Thanos snaps his fingers and the remaining 5,000 mutants kick his ass afterwards. <laughs> just kidding. I, don't take it personally, Marvel no. fans. It just, the Mutant of the Week thing wore off on me. But, you know, how long has it been since there's been a really outstanding Marvel superheroes role-playing game? It's been a while. Yeah. I mean, they've had other ones come out, including a Diceless version. <sighs> just kidding. If you enjoyed it, you enjoyed it. <sighs> but, yeah, they've, they've had, you know, six, seven versions after the TSR one. I consider the TSR one a golden one because they really embraced it. I mean, the folks at TSR. Yeah, they really... leaned in to the, like, this is, you know, the comic book tropes, but you, you know, know, Champions, we've mentioned that not, too. Yeah, uh, Champions did a great job. You could tell the love there. And, uh, you know, um, we live, I think we live in an age where if you're just playing one system or keeping your head down and, you know, I've only got so much time to play, I understand that. But, you yeah, know. If you've got a group that can only get together once a month, I don't think you're unjustified in being particular absolutely you You know like as we have had difficulty just scheduling two people to be at the same place at the same time at one of the appointed hours that is like suitable for the doing of this imagine of course the challenges of getting six to eight people show up uh more than once in a while it it becomes incredibly tough so for people who are like, I really want to focus my efforts on the thing that I get the greatest amount of joy from. Hey, go for it. And I want to talk about um, where I, I would ask, please don't diss other people for like, you play other stuff. Oh, that's terrible. You're like, don't, don't be like that. man. <laughs> well, I think there's a certain amount. Of, I think there's a certain amount of like, you know, jelly that you, know, you have all this free time to play. No, I'm just particularly uh, disorganized enough and scatterbrained that I can keep it all, I can juggle it pretty firmly. Don't, don't. Keep good notes 
after years of practice as a DM. Okay, keep good notes and remember what, you know, that tells you what you were doing last week in that other game. Don't mistake my flailing for genius, because it's not. No, uh, no it, it, <laughs> nor is it some uh, esoteric uh, performance art act uh, with deeper meaning. It is, in fact, a genuine flailing. <laughs> in fact, someone throw in the life preserver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good note taping, and also I've what I've done is refined it down to what I call palate cleansers once in a while. You know, you just need to break a, a break of it. We had one with uh, uh, Sky Pirates of Trash Pandas or whatever. Gosh, I can't remember what, what is that game. <laughs> Trash Pandas Sky Pirates? You're kidding me? No, no, no. Uh, let me get the exact game. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, uh, one of our players, you know, we just had a, a we always, he got it at a convention. And uh, it's basically where you play raccoons. And uh, you have Raccoon Sky Pirates. It's just, yeah, that's the name. It's from Hectic Electron Games. And basically, uh, you have to go ahead and design. It's no prep time and it has no DM. You just sit down and you start playing. You take to the skies, loot a suburban home, of, and get out all the trash you can carry. And uh, <laughs> you design your little ship that flies and give it qualities. And it's one of the and it's, it uses a die twelve. And um, I we had a couple. Uh, there's an expansion for it, Raccoon Sky Pirates. If you find it, get it. It's definitely worth it. That's one of those good palate cleansers where, you know, nobody wants a DM or you're just exhausted and there's only a few of you able to show up. It's Pull well worth record on that. Yeah. And that's a good one. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing we want to point out. It's like right. if you, it doesn't involve a lot of rules learning or investment, but it is engaging and it's that perfect palate cleanser. So that's, if I do anything, it's to encourage people to kind of get out of your comfort zones. Even if you play once a month, it's like, say, Hey, uh, one of the, main characters is not going to be here and i think this is integral for everybody to be involved with pull the cord on that one um marvel superheroes is very simple i I like the ingenious dice mechanic of the marvel die and the 616 inclusion but you know i'm still very much hooked on champions because i think there is just one that game plays the action sequence plays like comic panels yeah and that is the one thing that i I associate them with the love of the genre itself you know the action system you know going on different phases from one to 18 and you know you go on three six nine twelve and fifteen so yeah that's your panel that you have to plot out like you know i want the joe kirby sparkle effect around me (laughs) On panel 17. Ah! My eagle attack. <laughs> so, yeah, th- there's a lot of stuff that we can get into, but on those, and that's where we, that's why we roam so far afield. We're just, we're always looking for something new and novel, besides what the community is engaged in. And we are a little hamstrung by the fact that of the, like, truly old school material, there is only just so much of it. That we can treat with love and it just doesn't feel right to half-ass it into you know like 
eh, you know, can we milk this dry a second time? That's not really our vibe. You know, we're not looking to retread the same ground over and over again. You know, we wanted to. I mean, I'm going to be running OSC um, around Christmas time for. Uh, we're going to run against the Giants. OSC. And I'm for a lot of Giants. people have never uh, run or experienced that, the Monday night group. So. Oh, that's right. Nobody's done that. But if I were to run it for you for a second time, you would still have fun. Oh, God, yes. Oh, and we have a Blue Jay out here giving us the... Uh, he's giving us the business. He's not liking us. Uh, Loudly. Yeah, we wanted to have a like. Uh, somebody did say, I miss you guys being out in the porch. Well, we're not in the place where we can be on the porch. But it's a fall day. I can have the windows oh, open. I miss that. It takes me back to the origins. Which, right. Uh, you know. Uh, that the the house only a few blocks from here uh, that we used to record at with the the open back porch and the cool breeze and the cracked open beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, those were wonderful shows to do. Very lighthearted. Well, I think that we've moved. You know, one of the things we're not going to do in the future, we're not going to do another hundredth episode thing. Once you pass 300, we've done 100 episode, 200 episode. You know, I do like the commemorating a big round number. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would save a big celebration for the 500. Like, that's nice well, point. we'll see where, what come, come what may. But nonetheless, I think it is worth mentioning that after five years, we've seen a lot of podcasts come and go. Um, some of them are still with us. And others, you know, they move up and down. Um, one of the keys to our resiliency is that between the two of us, we have different approaches. Mike has deep thought ideas. And just first between moments of total lunacy. Right. And, well, <laughs> between your screwball ideas and my harebrained schemes, we'll come up with something. Yeah. Right, we both are uh, prone to our lunacy. But where I try to tr- watch the community, see it, uh, what's going on and what they're engaging with, and when I think it's relevant to us or something that is a hot topic at that moment, yeah, we will hit on it. Where we won't let it uh, pass us by. But I think going forward, um, some of the things that we're not going to do in the future, which may be a relief to some of you, we're not going to do a spooky season. We had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, I like doing it. But again, you know what? You burn through content real fast on that one. Yeah. You know, like if we have a spooky season thing at all, it will be very close to the end of October. Right. It'll be Halloween appropriate. Uh, that doesn't mean that there will be nothing spooky in October, nothing supernatural. Uh, it just means that we'll restrain ourselves to a single episode that is thematically appropriate. Right, and it won't always be Call of Cthulhu, although sometimes it will be. You don't know. It just might be. The podcast that ate Sheboygan. <laughs> uh, yeah, the podcast that goes bump in the night. Mm. And then runs away screaming. Yeah, because we're coming up on Spooky Seasons Fall. That's yeah, something we're, I was we're gonna, very close. I mean, now that we have the time to talk in the next journey, I also think that we want to have Movie nights, uh, what we touched on, and we had to move on quickly. But yeah, to get revisit that, different types of movie nights, uh, and 
per usual, you know, we aim for something that is thematically linked and that has applicable value to, you know, game writing. That if you want to be inspired in how to make a game in a particular genre uh, come to life, or, you know, uh, a scenario, like not, not so much uh, uh, an individual, you know, genre, but like a, a heist scenario, which, I mean, let's be blunt, that's kind of the, one of the things I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, three movies of, like, great heists, you know? Yeah, I think one of our challenges for that is, while we like to talk about the movies, we tend to get lost in the details of gushing and not enough about the content that can be lent lent itself easily I to still gameplay. Feel good about them because it kind of like it shines a spotlight on those three names and says to people like you might want to go have a look at this. Like, yeah, watch this you know. for some inspiration. Yeah, yeah. Look, look for heist movies coming up as a topic someday soon. Yeah, that's uh, that's in the year to come because it is so gamer relevant. Like, how many situations have you been in? as a DM where the players want to steal something and your job is really just to, okay, but I'm not going to let it be easy. Honey heist. Yeah. So <laughs> throwing it in there. It's, it, it's all about what you want to do and how you want to make it work for you. Uh, movies and media books are uh, strangely becoming a thing again. My wife has been on book talk, which is a subsection of TikTok. And she has, you know, challenged herself this year to 25 books, and she has just passed that. Oh, already? Yeah. Yeah. Yours truly, I'm sitting at 11. Because, well, as you look over there, you can see Ian W. Toll's History of the Pacific War, the first uh, history of the Pacific War uh, written in 25 years. It's a massive volume, and uh, three volumes, a trilogy. Uh-huh. And I'm also uh, co-rereading to cleanse my mind of the horrors of war because he, we're at the closing stages. I started rereading The Hobbit, just finished that, and uh, Lord of the Rings. And I count gaming books as reading because, yes, it, it, that is a book. It is a book. It, with it words, pages. It an ending. There are words and contents contained within in print form. And this is coming dangerous. I use a Ron Swanson. It's coming dangerously close to feelings. So <laughs> it is a book. It has a cover. It has pages within. It has a beginning and an end. Read this book. Oh, Nick Offerman, you have brought us so much I, laughter. This is coming dangerously close to feelings. <laughs> so I'm going to end it. And so probably we should close up this podcast as uh, we're starting to meander around. Yeah, we really appreciate all the listener support. We've had a lot of good times, but we've also had some struggles and and no real contention. I don't think we've ever come to blows over anything, uh, or at least even harsh words. Yeah, we have had a lot of crisis. Well, Lord knows I've had a lot of crisis this last year, uh, and it has been a lot of family and friend uh, deaths. Yeah, there's no nice way to put it. Mm-hmm. Family and friend deaths. Uh, and then, you know, pile on multiple vacations 
which they are not a burden. Okay, those are not a burden, but uh, <laughs> I, I take them because they're, I am the only means by which another person is able to make use of their allotted vacation time. And so I, if I don't go with them, they don't get that vacation. Uh, welcome to the world of, you know, caring for a senior parent. Yeah, well, those are responsibilities we all have. Yeah, that, it has not been the easiest year I've ever had. A lot of loss and uh, blessedly some vacation to recover from said loss. Uh, one hopes that the year to come will go far smoother than this. So that when we're looking at our sixth year, coming to a close, uh, we'll be looking at a like much happier 12 months of activity. <laughs> I hope. Well, come either way. Yeah. We're here. So come what may. Whatever it ends to us, we'll deal with it or dodge it or whatever. Um, I just wanted to say that thank you all to all listeners over the years for your criticisms, even the haters. Love feedback of any sort yeah we're grateful because like we've had very few haters uh and i, I feel oh, like there's most a few. Of, no we i say very <laughs> few uh, by comparison the people who have offered some constructive criticism and also Absolutely. been very honest about what did or did not please them so thank all of you who just gave that shout out i'm very and, pleased with our conduct in dealing with some of the negativity that there's a little that has been directed towards us because no, I had thick skin, and I, I take all criticisms e- equally valid. I mean, if you have absolutely something to say, other than, you're dumb, your face is dumb, <laughs> podcast is dumb, hate you. Okay. Our face is dumb. We have faces made for radio. Right, we do. <laughs> and <laughs> Which was the other obstacle in going to a YouTube version. Oh, we're, we're definitely on board. I'm going to try to uh, get you into the 21st century. I'm, I'm working on it now, folks. I'm, once I get him a nice camera set up at home in a place where he can uh, green screen it, we'll uh, definitely be doing that once in a while. We'll probably do StreamYard, I think. I've been looking at that. What is that? Uh, it's, uh, it's a... I just gave my tell. Uh-huh. It's an app, and it allows you to do uh, live streams and have people join. I would like to have... Oh, have trouble with technology. Why is this club sharp? And I think moving forward, I would like to have um, maybe a monthly episode where we do a stream yard, as well as keeping our regular podcast up. Okay. Or maybe, you know, like maybe every other month. It depends on how it works out. Well, I've certainly got enough room to prepare an area with a green screen. Or just even a nice backdrop or, you know, just put a bookshelf in the back, you know, whatever, however. Nonetheless. I would love to, like, you know, just impose us like use a green screen and then impose us over like some the front of some hobbit house oh okay yeah we'll just sit there with like pipes (laughs) (laughs) waiting for a second breakfast Mm. i don't think he knows about second breakfast i don't think so six meals a day all right so hey yeah (laughs) one of the things that getting back on track here yeah that is kind of what a general plan is, how it will work out, and, you know, again, schedules and everything else in life coming at you. It's been a tough time uh, for Mike. It's not, you know, I have a, I, I coast through life, so it's a lot different for me. I just have, you know, a home life. And that brings its own uh, 
problems and irregularities and interruptions. But that's all part of the uh, course of being, you know, a stay-at-home dad. So well, I've done my grieving and, uh, you know, gotten on with my life. And I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not obligated to, to grieve again because I've, I've retained my sense of humor through most of this. Podcast has brought me great joy, even during some fairly unpleasant times. In, in the middle of like having duties that and obligations that I did not enjoy, this this was a respite. This was me going back to the oasis and going, ah, the water is cool and crisp here. The shade is nice beneath the palm tree. Uh, I will lie down and not be weary from my troubles for a while. So. I have managed to stay uplifted through all of this. And I hope that as the year progresses, everybody else who's out there, everyone who's given us a listen, uh, everybody who hears this, hope your year goes fantastic. I really do. Yeah, we, we want to wish all our listeners and everyone who has uh, thank you given us a lot of support through the years. That great big thank you. It's a kind of a platitude, maybe a Pavlovian sort of thing. I don't know. Anyway, we really appreciate it. And that's why we do it is because actually somebody listens. And when we just used to have, I mean, I remember that when we got 10 listeners in our first week, Mike was like ecstatic. He was like, I, we, and I said, we have tens of listeners. <laughs> you know, a, about a year later, we have tens of listeners now. And yeah, we still just have tens of listeners. Throngs. But, you know, um, as long as you guys enjoy it, we're going to keep producing it. And even if you don't enjoy it, we're still going to keep producing it. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is totally happening. But if you do enjoy it, we appreciate you letting us know. And it's been a, a great privilege to be able to share our views and have some of our viewpoints to listen to and even critique. So I appreciate yeah. it. It's been a very rewarding process. And I think that's something we want to continue oh, doing. Enjoy the heck out of it. All right. Well, yeah, well, we're just going to just stitch it up. Yeah. Put a bow on it. All right. So, Hey, uh, here's the next 300. Hope you're sticking around and, uh, you guys are the best. You, the fans of this show, uh, yeah, you have, you are really the best. So thanks a lot. So until next time, may the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya.